Martyrs and Missionaries is a production of Revive Studios. You're listening to Martyrs and Missionaries. I'm Elise, and every episode I'll bring you a new martyr and or missionary, the called and the brave. In this episode, we're going to talk about Boniface, the Apostle of Germany. If you've been around the Revive Studios circuit for a while, the name Boniface might sound familiar to you. Revive Thoughts covered him a while back. I'm not really sure how far. I think it's been a while. Um, but if you would like to listen to an awesome sermon of Boniface's, I will link that episode in the description and you can listen to that awesome sermon. Now, England had been Christianized in the late 500s, early 600s by Gregory the Great, who sent missionaries from Rome to England. Now, Gregory the Great might be known for sending missionaries all over Europe, but another thing we should be grateful for is the fact that he popularized bathing in Europe. So we can thank him for two things, missionaries and bathing. Now, Boniface was not born as Boniface, but in classic church tradition, his name was changed later. At birth, he was known as Winfred, and he was born in 675 in England. And he came from a noble family. In fact, he had been enamored with missionaries ever since he was five years old when a group of missionaries came to his family and came to his village. And he always yearned to be a missionary somehow. But his parents kind of had different thoughts for his life trajectory. So instead, he went to school and he studied hard. And he gained a reputation as a diplomat, as a teacher, as a preacher. He was a very, very, very well-rounded intelligent young man, and eventually he became an esteemed Benedictine monk when he was 30 years old. He also wrote the first Latin grammar book in England, and he actually wrote several treatises on poetry as well as several acrostic riddles. He enjoyed things that would grow the mind. But his heart and his mind were always stayed on missions, even though he had these other things he enjoyed doing and he was very good at, he still wanted to serve the Lord through missions. And so he heads off for the Northern Netherlands. Now, what happened is not necessarily the hard-heartedness of the people. It's kind of up in the air. It's not entirely known hard and fast one way or the other. But certainly one thing that made it incredibly hard was the giant war that was going on at the time between the king of the Netherlands, King Radbod, which is a pretty cool name, and Charles Martel. Boniface and his companion actually make two trips into the Northern Netherlands to go at it twice, and they spend a a total of five to six years, and they just don't get anywhere, so he heads back. He returned to England when he was about 47 years old, and while he was away, his abbot had died, and Boniface, or Winfred, had been chosen to replace him. But he kindly said, no thank you, and he headed to Rome with a small group to chat with Pope Gregory II, not Pope Gregory the Great. This is about... You know, it's been a while, been a couple of generations. Pope Gregory II was very impressed with what he saw. He liked the heart and earnestness that Winfred had. And he said, You seem to glow with the salvation-bringing fire which our Lord came to send upon the earth. And so he commissioned Winfred to evangelize both those led astray and now serving idols under the guise of the Christian religion and those not yet cleansed by the waters of holy baptism. It was during this time that he also changed Winfred's name to Boniface, which means good works. 
So he had been commissioned as a missionary bishop, but he didn't have a diocese or even a church to shepherd. And he heads off to Germany under the protection of Charles Martel or Charles the Hammer, who was the Frankish king who held off the Moors and was the grandfather of Charlemagne. So when he arrives, there's already some missionaries who are there, but they're pretty awful. They're basically doing nothing, and they're really not so keen about this Boniface guy. They have a certain way they're doing things. It's not really the best way to do things or really a way you should do things at all. But that's the way they've been doing it. And they didn't really like anybody coming up and shaking things up. And if you recall the Amy Carmichael episode that we did, she had the same problem. And it's actually a very common problem um, of our famous missionaries we cover here. Because sometimes the ones that cause the most problems can be other missionaries, which is surprising, but it is very, very common. But Boniface did not come to play. He gets so frustrated with them that he threatens to excommunicate two of the missionaries who he considered to be heretics and probably were heretics, and he wanted to have them put into solitary confinement. Now, the Pope tries to pump the brakes on that and give it time for the situation to calm down. A lot of people found Boniface to be, you know, a bit too much. He was prickly and hard to get along with. But we also have to consider the source. Now, the source of this information comes from people who were kind of schluffing off and not doing their job. In contrast, his churches back in England loved him, and they sent him gifts and letters throughout his ministry. So uh, I think the reason that people considered him to be prickly and hard to get along with was because he was calling them out on their nonsense. It was also during this time that Boniface came to realize that ecclesiastical reform was key to evangelism, which makes perfect sense because you have to agree on the origins of Christianity, the person of Christ, salvation, eschatology, etc., etc., in order to make sure that everyone is on the same page. This is also how you cut out on cults and things like that. And these areas of Europe had never had a synod. They'd never gathered everybody together and said, hey, you know, what do we hold to? What do we believe in? And Boniface actually held five of them, five of them in just about as many years. If you are familiar with the story of Boniface, one of his most well-known moments, the moments that he is famous for, is cutting down Jupiter's oak. Uh, He is gathered around this tree that the Celts worship as being from Jupiter or from Thor. And as he has this axe in his hand, and they're raining down curses on him, and he bites into it with the axe, and it basically just falls over almost immediately. It's completely rotted through. Now to the people watching, they had two thoughts. If this is actually truly an oak of the gods, why on earth is it rotted all the way through? And number two, why is Boniface still standing? So right there, he chops down the tree, people see what happened, and mass conversions take place right on the spot. And Boniface just keeps on going. This is what he does. He takes an axe, he chops down idols, and he takes names. He doesn't put up with any nonsense. But in a more professional capacity, he is appointed as the Archbishop of Mainz, and he replaces his rival, who was quite the thorn in his side, often taking credit for Boniface's success, among other things. And he founded a lot of churches. It actually led to quite the growth and explosion of Christianity in Germany. He also founds the Fulda Monastery or the Fulda Abbey, which he leaves in the care of one of his disciples. But even with all the successes he had in Germany, he never lost his calling to the Netherlands. So in 754, at the age of roughly 79, he sets out with a group of about 50 or so people. 
And it was later that year, as they waited on a beach to teach a group of new converts, that they were ambushed by a bunch of pirates. Boniface and his group had refused to carry weapons, and so they were defenseless against the onslaught. And this is actually something that's pretty common uh, in not only with um, Catholics, but even with many Protestants in modern history. They refused to carry weapons because in their reasoning, I know the Lord, I know where I'm going, but these people here, they don't have the Lord. So if I die, you know, I know where I'm going. If they die, I know where they're going. The new converts they were supposed to teach had run off when they had seen the pirates, but they came back and they saw that there were no survivors. Boniface was found face down with Ambrose's book, The Advantages of Dying, which he had used to defend himself. The cover had two large sword gashes in it. Boniface was then taken to the Fulda Monastery and entombed in a beautiful sarcophagus. The legacy he left behind was as a hero and inspiration to missionaries for the next 300 years. Boniface lived so long ago that he's easily and understandably forgotten by Christians today. And that's why Martyrs and Missionaries exists, to remind us of these great heroes of the faith, no matter how long ago they lived. And that's the awesome thing about being a Christian. We have this gigantic, extended faith family that spans a couple thousand years. And one day we'll get to meet them all. But in the meantime, we have this podcast. As always, thank you for listening to Martyrs and Missionaries. I'm Elise. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.